to the Soul Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kuttner, and I'm so glad you're here. This podcast will help you find ways to live a more authentic life. Every week, I have guests on the show from yoga teachers to meditation instructors, everyone to help you feel like the best you. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today on the podcast, I have Kelly Moser. She brings spirituality to people in a very accessible and fun way. She's been doing this work for a little bit, and I personally love everything she's doing. So Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. I'm honored to be here, honored to meet you. So I want to start the episode by maybe just demystifying spirituality for a minute. I think a lot of people are curious about spirituality and becoming more connected to spiritual things, but they're also a little scared and I think it gets a bad rep. So I'd love to hear what you think about that. Yeah, I think you're so right about that. People come to spirituality with a lot of trepidation, and some of it comes from fears that are tied to religious beliefs that they were raised with. That's really common. Um, Some people are just honestly afraid of discovering their own power, and that's kind of the unconscious, subconscious sort of undercurrent of what the where the fear comes from, which I find often. But I think for me anyway, I was raised Catholic. I was raised in New Jersey, an Italian American family. And the idea of spirituality was so closely for me tied to religion until I got older. And I could really understand that they don't have to be related really at all. To me, spirituality is very simply a relationship with our own spirit, with the spirit that unites all of us, all living beings, a higher power. So if spirituality and religion intersect for some people, that's fine, but they don't necessarily have to. So I think just approaching this work with a sense of openness and just the realization that there's not dogma attached to it, it can look totally different for everyone. Your spiritual practice might include meditation. It might not. It might include yoga. It might not. It might include tarot cards. It might not. There's just no one size fits all when it comes to spirituality. And what I really love about this work is that it's to me, it's closer to physics than it is to religion. So I really like that there are science, scientific roots behind everything that I share and do. Like intuition is closer to physics than it is to religion or than it is to, I don't know, voodoo or whatever else people are afraid that maybe it it gets too close with. So yeah, I just think that being open and realizing that spirituality is not just one thing and it's not you know, it's not synonymous with any particular set of dogma or witchcraft or paganism. It's just, it's very simply the pursuit of understanding yourself better. Yeah, that was really well put. I enjoyed your explanation of that. So I think that it's more about people just have misunderstandings, right? When they don't know much about something, they come to these conclusions that are typically inaccurate. So I feel like that's really what it comes down to. And I love that you said connecting to your own soul and your own energy and figuring that stuff out for yourself, because I think spirituality is a very personal connection that you can explore and have fun with. But yeah, people are so afraid of how powerful they are, which is crazy to think about. 
Absolutely. And I also think a lot of people just don't know where to start. Like the things that maybe they have the most access to, like astrology, for example, some people will start there. Some people will start with a really great yoga practice because they're really inspired by a teacher in their community. But there's not one clear path or progression in the work of spirituality. And I think that just kind of it, people freeze when they realize that there's no clear direction, but that's also the fun of it too, is you get to pave your own way. You get to discover your own path. If you commit to showing up to do this work, I like to call it the little breadcrumb trail will appear and you'll get a breadcrumb one day and you'll pick it up. And then the next day, like you don't always see where you're going. And that also is scary for some people too, is not knowing what the end goal is of any of this work, but that's the point. It's, it's all about the journey and all about the discovery along the way. So I find that that's something that makes people a little apprehensive as well. Yeah. I love that you also kind of touched on the openness, being open to seeing those breadcrumbs and, you know, having the belief that I think, so I'm sure we'll get into this too today, but like your beliefs are very powerful and they create the reality you experience. So, and if you have these set beliefs, or if you have limiting beliefs that kind of keep you from accessing all of these fun, magical things, then you're just kind of putting a cap on what you can do in the world. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, for example, I mean, that's such a good point because when I started this work, I was just in this to clear, to cure my anxiety. I had no interest in communicating with spirit. I had no interest in tarot cards. <laughs> like I had no interest in intuition, but my first breadcrumb was the anxiety that I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And I was doing the therapy thing. I was doing all of the things that you're supposed to do when you are experiencing anxiety. But to me, the thing that finally helped my anxiety was opening to my spiritual connection. And that, you know, was something that I wasn't expecting, but that was my first breadcrumb, whether or not I realized it at the time. Yeah. That breadcrumb led to another breadcrumb. And then a thousand breadcrumbs later, here I am as a, you know, professional intuitive and spiritual guide and mentor to spiritual seekers. And that's not at all what I set out to do, but because I trusted the path and because I trusted the first breadcrumb and I was willing to find the next one, that's kind of just how it all unfolds. Yeah. I think there's a certain level of trust in spirituality too, trusting that things are working out for you and trusting that things are signs or guides. So there has to be a level of trust with spirituality. I also want to dive a little bit deeper into your story. I think the fact that you were going through anxiety was a clear sign that something was out of whack. And I think a lot of people who experience maybe depression or anxiety, like, of course, there's the scientific root of depression and anxiety. I'm not here for that. I'm just saying that a lot of times we're out of balance or we're not in alignment. So I'd love to just kind of dive into your story a little bit deeper and talk a little bit about how things like showed up for you and and how you work through them. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're so spot on. Um, So for me personally, I, when I was in college, I started noticing that my anxiety was very much affected by who I was surrounded, like who I, who I, who was around me at the time. And when you're in college, you often have roommates and people are in really close quarters. And I grew up as the only child in my house. And so I'm used to having a lot of space and a lot of privacy. And then when I got to college, all of a sudden I was sharing so much more space with people than I'd ever shared before. And I noticed as I started sharing more space and as those boundaries became less defined, my anxiety became really almost unmanageable at certain points. And then I moved, I graduated, went to college in DC, 
kind of just muscled through my anxiety all through college, um, did the therapy thing. It was, it was useful to me to a degree, but it was clear to me that there was something else going on. It was clear to me that there was some root of the issue that I wasn't getting to in talk therapy. And I moved to New York, which is <laughs> a really interesting place to move if you are already prone to anxiety. I moved to Midtown Manhattan, like the busiest, craziest place on earth. I moved into a building that had 20 floors in it, surrounded by people all the time. And my anxiety became so crippling. I was also working at a job that was so corporate, very um, just out of alignment with my skills. Like I, I found that I wasn't even, I wasn't even good at it. It's not that I just wasn't enjoying it. I really was bad at this job. Um, and that you know, produce a lot of anxiety too. And I was, I felt that I was so constantly, there were, I had no emotional boundaries between my bosses and myself, between my coworkers and myself, between my neighbors and myself. When I would take the subway, I just felt like I was internalizing everybody's emotions and thoughts and energy. And I was like, I'm going to explode if I, if I continue living here, like I either need to figure out what's going on with me or I need to move out of New York. And I had so much in New York that I loved and I wasn't ready to move. So one day I remember sitting in bed and I just Googled, is it possible to feel other people's emotions? And that's when I saw the word empath for the worst, for the first time. Mm -hmm. I started reading about what it meant to be an empath. And all of a sudden, everything just started to click for me. And I realized that's exactly what was going on in my life. And my anxiety was so directly attributed to my placing others before myself and my placing other people's emotions and problems before myself, my own. And being this perfectionist that I am, I wanted to fix it. Anybody that I came across who had a problem, I just emotionally bled for that person. I wanted to fix, I wanted to help them fix. And now after many years of realizing that that's not how really is really not how it works. At the time I thought I was doing this great service to everybody by giving so much of myself in so many different places. And I realized that particularly when someone that I loved was going through something really challenging that's when the anxiety would spike. And it wasn't even a conscious connection that I was making. It was as if I was feeling their issues, their challenges, as if they were my own in my body, with my anxiety, with my emotions. And it was just this moment of clarity of, oh my gosh, we're all connected. And the people that I love, I can tune into their energy. I understand that we're connected, even if I'm not consciously saying, okay, I'm going to tune into, you know, my niece's energy who lives in um, Nashville right now. I didn't have that awareness or control yet, but I was just tuning in everywhere to everyone that I met tuning into their frequency. And I lost my own energy in the process. And I almost didn't even know what my own energy was anymore. So that's a very long winded explanation of kind of how my anxiety was showing up for me. And to your point, it was a signpost. It was like an alarm for me to say, there's some work that you need to do here and you need to sit and be curious about it and figure out what it is. Cause you can't live this way. So even just that first kind of breadcrumb of understanding that there's, there's something wrong, you know, there's anxiety, the law of cause and effect. If you're experiencing the effect of anxiety, there's a cause. And sometimes the cause is outside of your individual human experience. Sometimes it is, you know, you're just picking up on something that your best friend is going through or your mother's going through or your neighbor's going through, but there's always a cause. And and being willing to see that and make hard changes sometimes, because, you know, 
it's really hard. Sometimes we don't want to see what that cause is. We don't want to have to make changes. It's easier to just get to just push through it and say, okay, I'll just, I'll just deal with this rather than saying, okay, there's something here that needs to be changed. And that's part of the spiritual journey too, is being brave enough to make changes when we recognize that there's something out of balance in our lives. We need to change. Yeah. Those changes can be hard, but they're absolutely necessary and beneficial. I love that you said investigating and being curious and not just thinking in the whole of your problems and saying, okay, I just have anxiety and and this is it. And actually kind of discovering why I think that was such a great move. A lot of people have empathic qualities, I think, but they're just not aware. So I'd love for you to actually talk about that too. I've had people on the show that have talked about how we can sense each other's energies. You know, when somebody has great light energy, you just feel it. Do you think all people have empathic qualities? Do you think some more than others? Maybe some people who are supposed to be doing light work. What are your thoughts on that? Mm, I think everyone has empathy. Everyone has the ability to access empathy. The people that rely on empathy in a way that is more codependent in a way that's more maladaptive in a way that I think, I think a lot of it has to do with childhood and the way we're raised and the people that were around the energies, the situations, the traumas that were around as children, those who need to learn how to protect themselves emotionally have to be able to tune in with other people's emotional states and energy states. And I think the people that that's true for go on to become empaths, whether they realize it or not. So we, we develop this sort of super empathy, you know, super empathic gift. I believe if we are in a position where it matters to us, you know, for our own safety, we have to be able to read the energy of a room to understand if we're safe or not. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those are the people that develop the kind of shadow side of empathy, which can it can really drain you. It can cause the anxiety and the depression later on in life. So if you're, if you're someone who in a young, at a young age, took on a lot of emotional caregiving responsibilities for people in your life, those are the people I think most likely to have sort of uncontrolled empathic gifts later on in life where you can't draw the boundary. You can't shut off the ability to connect with someone. You just, it's as natural for you as breathing to take on somebody else's emotions. So I think everyone has empathic gifts. For some people, they're much more out of control, like me. My empathic gifts were completely out of control. And that goes on to tie a lot into intuition. And the the intuitive side, the intuitive gift of empathy is clairsentience, the ability to, to feel other people's emotions. So once I learned that it was tied into this other realm of abilities that I also had that I hadn't tapped into yet, then I really started to get it all under control and be able to manage it. But I do think everyone has gifts. Everyone has intuitive gifts. Everyone has intuitive gifts. Some people's empathic gifts are their strongest and most potent gifts that they have. For other people, it might be something else. So while we all have gifts, I don't think, I don't believe everyone is an empath to the point where it disrupts their lives. Yeah, I agree with you. I think some people are a little bit more in tuned and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more behind that. But for now, I, I agree with you. I have some questions for you on how you were able to actually establish boundaries and also how you were able to ground yourself. I think it's pretty overwhelming when you are a highly sensitive person or when you are empathic to the point where 
you have these ties and you feel for others. So I would say, because I'm sure there's people who could relate, how do you draw your boundaries and how do you really ground yourself and, and get in tune with your energy so that you're not so impacted by others? Yes, that's exactly it. That last part that you just mentioned, if we don't know what our own energy feels like, and I didn't because I had spent 20 plus years just being the energetic chameleon of whatever situation I was in. I was totally out of touch with my own energy. And that is the foundational skill that you need to build in order to manage your empathy, in order to manage your intuitive gifts, in order to manage anxiety and depression. You have to be able to tune into the truth of your own frequency because we all vibrate at, I call it a home frequency, like a homeostatic frequency. We all have this sort of energy that our bodies naturally vibrate at unacted upon by any sort of external stress. We all vibrate at a certain place. And then when you introduce other energies that will affect our vibration. And when we're completely unaware of what our unique home frequency feels like, we're going to start to believe that all of those levels of affected energy are who we really are, but they're not. So I would love to actually lead us through a little bit of an exercise where we can get in touch with our home frequency, because that is the building block for all intuitive development, for all empathic management is just understanding your home frequency. Does that sound good? Yes, please. I am loving this so far. So just keep going and definitely (laughs) lead us through that exercise. All right. Amazing. So Like I said, we all have a home frequency. We all vibrate at a certain place when we're kind of like at rest. Imagine a pond, nice and still, and then you throw a stone in it and it creates all these ripples. What we're going to tune into is what the energy of the pond within us feels like before we add any stones to it, because that's what we need to understand. And when we understand what that feels like, we can understand when we're now out of that frequency and are we shifted into a higher frequency that maybe even feels better. That's possible. Or are we shifted into a lower frequency that feels out of alignment for us? So the way we're going to do this, and this is the first exercise that I lead anybody that I work through with, it's so important for us to to be able to do this. So I invite you to close your eyes. I'll close mine too. And if you're listening to this episode and you're not in a position where you can close your eyes, just come back to this exercise um, later on. So closing our eyes, just getting in touch with our breathing. Just beginning to tune in to our heart center, noticing how it feels there. And now I invite you to think of all of the ways that you identify in your human life, all of the ways that you identify, all of the labels that you place on yourself. It might be female, it might be you know, American, whatever it is, think, start to think of all of those different labels that help you function in the world. And just imagine yourself peeling these stickers off of like a whiteboard. So go ahead and peel the sticker off that says female, male, American, Canadian. Now think of all of the roles that you play in your life. So maybe you're a mother, daughter, sister, friend, colleague. Just imagining a whiteboard in front of you and you're just peeling these stickers off one at a time. And as 
as you peel them away, you notice that your body gets a little lighter, a little less dense. We're just dropping all of the labels, all of the identities, all of the ways that we define ourselves. Stripping away every single word, phrase, adjective. Now get into your personality traits, all the adjectives that describe you. Just stripping all of that away and just feeling what's left. Even when you peel all of these different layers away, there's energy left underneath all of them. So without all of those things, what did your energy feel like? And this answer might come to you in the form of a physical sensation. You might have impressions of colors and textures. Certain words might come to mind. Just placing all of those labels and all of those identities to the side knowing that we can pick them back up anytime we need to. So feeling this energy right here, this is your home frequency. This is who you are in your purest energetic essence without any of the labels, any of the ego stuff that you use to navigate the world. And just sitting in this energy for a moment, just feeling it, allowing it to be amplified. With each inhale, it becomes stronger and stronger, more apparent to you, more recognizable to you. This is who you are in eternity, who you were well before you entered this body and who you'll be well beyond after you've left this body. And now just to be able to play with this a little bit. So really anchoring into that energy here, noticing where in your body you feel it the most. And now allowing yourself to call in the experience, the energy of someone that you really love in this lifetime, someone who just makes you feel so supported, so happy, so appreciated, someone you have a really simple relationship with, not a lot of, you know, complexities. Just imagine that your pure energy is interacting with their pure energy. You're sitting in a room together as little balls of energy and you're just allowing yourself to feel their energy in your body, noticing how your body's reacting to their energy. Noticing any physical sensations, any imagery, any colors, textures, temperature changes. Just noticing how your energy feels interacting with this other person's energy. And now you can gently release that person and come back to your home frequency, come back to just your energy Think of it as like if you've ever watched 
Serena Williams play tennis, she always comes back to this place of neutrality before returning a volley. So she's always grounded, always centered. So that's what your home frequency should feel like, like you're coming back to this really centered place. And now calling in the energy of someone that you don't like, someone that you know just doesn't resonate with you, someone who irritates you, upsets you, someone that's really hard to be around. And just beginning to notice what happens in the body, any subtle changes that are happening, any movement, any emotions that come up, any colors, textures, temperature changes, just noticing. Noticing how your energy changes when you're around this person's energy. And now you can release that person as well. And just briefly come back to your own energy, feeling that again, allowing that to be really familiar for you. And when you're ready, you can open up your eyes and come back into the room where you're sitting. Thank you so much for that. I think you definitely walked people through a journey. So I'm excited for them to experience that. For me personally, I thought it was fun. It was fun for me in that like it gave me some awareness about my true nature and how my true nature is so calm. And it also gave me some awareness that these labels that we have are so heavy. They're heavy attachments and we really latch on to them to anchor ourselves. But we can feel so much better if we're not so attached to them. So for me, that was just an interesting experience to know that our labels can be heavy and we don't have to define ourselves by these labels. And I, I like tapping into my energy. It was, it was fun for me. So. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. That to me is like the, the, that's the starting point, you know, for any spiritual journey, if you really want to get in touch with yourself you really want to be able to make choices about your life that are in alignment. So when we were, you know, working with the energies, energies of someone that we love versus someone that we maybe don't love as much, what we're doing there is just playing with resonance and being able to say, okay, I can feel my energy. Now I know what my energy feels like when I add this person who I know I love, who I know I get along with my energy maybe feels amplified. So some things that you might experience when you are surrounded by energy that's in resonance for you, something that resonates. It's like when we say we vibe with someone, that's not just kind of a BS phrase. We're actually saying our energies really align and converge. They're really resonant. So for anyone going through that um, part of the exercise, some things that people report experiencing are maybe a sense of lightness, expansiveness, openness, mm. warmth people share, um, tingles, but in a really comfortable way. And then when you bring in that energy of that person that you don't get along with as well. Um, that energy can be, can really feel like chaotic or people describe it as feeling like they're being wronged, but they don't know how, like oh, there's just, yeah. this energetic sense of contraction or constriction or darkness. So being able to put into practice just that very basic Am I expanding right now or am I contracting right now? What's my energy doing? With every interaction that we have, every person that we meet, 
every TV show that we put on, every you know restaurant that we go to, whatever, our bodies are always talking to us in this language of expansion and contraction. And when we can listen for it, that's when we can make choices that are in better alignment or you know, avoiding the things that make us feel out of alignment. Because a lot of times we have people in our lives or we're in jobs or whatever that feel really good on paper and we get we have a lot in common with this person or this job is exactly what we studied for in school. But when we practice this kind of, do I feel expansive here or do I feel like I'm contracting or whatever your yes is or whatever your no is, you'll, you might feel more no's in your life than you realize. And being willing to say, I'm just willing to see everything as either a yes or no. I'm really willing to see whether this is in resonance for me or not. That's how you really make progress getting to where you want to go. Yeah. I love the gifts that you gave in tuning in. I think energy really is powerful, but a lot of people are just disconnected from their own energy, like you said, or disconnected from the things that come up for them. And they don't do that curious search of finding out why and and understanding why. And there's a lot of gold there. If you're just willing to be aware and ready to accept and yeah, that was a great exercise. Thanks a lot for sharing. You're welcome. I hope everyone listening at home enjoyed it too. Yeah, I'm sure they did. So let's talk a little bit more about frequency. Um, I don't know if you want to dive into manifesting, but you know, there's these ideas of when we're in a high vibe frequency that we're attracting things to us. And like you said, there's a lot of physics to this work. It's not just BS. So what are your thoughts about when we're in alignment or when we are kind of vibing high? Are we bringing things to us? Are we attracting? What are you thinking about that? That's a good question. I have a lot of mixed feelings about manifesting in general. I, I absolutely think that we can add more positive things to our lives by being in a high vibe, but being in a high vibe just means that we're listening, right? Like it's impossible to be in a high vibe and be in a job that's out of resonance for us to be in a relationship that's no longer serving us. So I think when we are willing, it just means that we're already listening when we're in this high vibe. It means that we're listening to the guidance of spirit. We're already headed down the right path. We're headed down path, a path of less resistance maybe. Mm -hmm. And when we're going down a path of less resistance and we're in aligned with what's already what we're already good at, you know, what we all, what we need and we're not striving and struggling. I think, I think it's a lot of things. I don't think it's as simple as sitting on your couch and saying, I'm going to raise my vibe today and tomorrow I'm going to give $50 or whatever it is. I think it's, it's part of a much larger journey. It's being willing to say, I'm going to make the changes in my life that feel uncomfortable so that I can put myself in a place where I feel so aligned. And when you're in that place of alignment, Spirit says, okay, she's finally where she needs to be. It's going to be, it's going to be easier now because she's not somewhere where she's it's the universe doesn't let us be successful at the wrong things. I'm learning this every single day. Yeah. So I think that just putting yourself in a place where you're willing to make hard choices so that you can be most in alignment, then things will start to be easier. Like you get rewarded for making those hard decisions, I think, because it's impossible for you to not find some measure of success when you're showing up authentically in your gifts, when you're sharing your story, when you're inspiring people from a place of, I've learned this now, let me share with you. Um, so I think that manifesting is more complicated than, or more, there's just more to it, I think, than we think, but the first step is definitely 
taking an inventory of our lives and saying, what can I do to put myself in the best possible position to live the life that I want? And often that it's kind of like cleaning out your closet. You have to dump everything out sometimes before you can put it all back in really nicely. Like (laughs) sometimes things feel feel worse before they feel better, but it's that urging process, that willingness to say, okay, I'm going to just dump everything and see what I genuinely want to put back in my closet. And it's the same thing with our lives. Like you can only get so far with a closet that's full of shit that you don't wear with tags still on it that you don't even like anymore. So that willingness to like be really honest about what's not working anymore in our lives. Once we clear that, then we can show up in a place where manifesting is easy, where it's like, I'm right where I'm meant to be. Of course, everything's going to feel easier for me. Like there's no way I can't succeed here. Yeah. I have a couple questions that I thought of. What do you think about obstacles being specifically placed on our path to learn from? I actually had a conversation with somebody about this week and we were talking about how, you know, there's a divine order, but then there's also so much free will. So how much of our life is specifically orchestrated and then how much are we actually just bringing in ourselves I'm sure it's like this weird dance of some divine order and then some free will so it's just interesting to think about but what do you think about that Hmm. well I think one sort of one thing that um upsets me about this manifestation culture is this idea that we with our energy attract everything into our lives good bad ugly and neutral And I just think that for many people who've survived a trauma or some sort of tragedy or live in poverty or have an, you know, incurable disease, like there's no way that they've attracted those things to themselves. So that's my, my first, you know, grievance with this manifesting culture is that some things in life just happen. And to your point, there are teachers. Mm. So I don't think that anything in life is a throwaway. It's either something that we realize if I change my approach, I can attract something better or I can't change this. And therefore this is a lesson for me to learn and move through. So uh, to your, to answer your question, I don't know what that that percentage is, what that balance is, but a hundred percent, there are some things in life that we bring about ourselves. Like for example, I was in a pattern of, I'm a, I'm a huge people pleaser and growing up, All I wanted to do was please my mom and my siblings and my teachers. I had to be the teacher's pet. I had to get straight A's because I just wanted the teacher to like me. And that was a pattern that I was perpetuating in my own life without even realizing it. And then later I started to attract authority figures in my life that no matter what I did, I could not please them. No matter what I did, I could not please them. Boss after boss, after boss at job, after job, after job, and I realized that this was a pattern that I was perpetuating because I was so obsessed with pleasing people. The universe was giving me person after person that I just couldn't please. And that was my lesson that I can't please everyone. But, you know, there are other things in life that I don't think have as much of, there are things in my life that I just know I didn't cause, you know, there are just things that have happened that um, for so many people, you just, it's victim blaming to be able to, to, to say to someone, you know, this awful thing that you're going through is something that you caused with your energy is just insensitive and just, it's just not right. So I think there is a healthy amount of that in the world as well. And the ability to discern, is this something that I can change with my behavior? Or is this something that life just happens sometimes? And this is my opportunity to grow, grow through what you go through. So recognizing that 
life is never all one or the other. There's a balance in between, like you said. And I think, you know, just realizing that that's the case, like you can't control everything, but also you can control some things. So I, I say, sit with your, sh- sit with your shit without sitting in it. So mm-hmm. recognizing I can hold space for this thing that's going on in my life. I can work through it, but I don't have to sit in it like a victim. I can, I, there's always a way to work through. So even if it feels like tiny baby steps over the course of years, if you're committed to working through something, you will work through it. Yeah. The lessons are so tricky. I love how the universe is just, oh, okay, well, here's a lesson because I'm going to challenge this about you. But yeah, kudos to you for being so aware and, and doing the work to get through that. People pleasing is hard. A lot of people can relate to that, especially women. And I think it's just interesting how that unfolded for you mm-hmm. and how you're able to work through it. So you should be super proud of yourself. <laughs> Thanks. It's an ongoing process, but now I can recognize it, you know, when it, when it comes up, it's like, it's not something that can be changed with the snap of a finger. It takes a lot of work and just a lot of self-compassion and, you know, not falling back into old patterns of, oh, I'm so stupid. I did this again. Like that's something too about spiritual work. It's really easy to get really down on yourself when the same lesson seems to be repeating itself over and over. But I really believe that we spiral upwards in life. So we come back to the same perspective. Sometimes we come back to the same viewpoint. Like if you're, you know, going up a winding staircase, every time you go around, you're going to have the same view, but you're going to be one level up. So just like remembering that even if it feels like the lesson is the same or that the situation you're going through is just the same old shit, you're one level up than you were last time. Like, even if you don't realize it, time has passed, your energy's changed. Things are, you know, you you have more awareness, you have more life experience. So you're always one level up than you were last time you dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My other question for you was what about the mind? There's all this work that we do and we tap into our energy and our frequency and I think sometimes it's hard to discern what is coming from thought patterns or what is actually our intuition. So I think for people that are trying to develop their intuition, and I know we'll dive just a little bit deeper into intuition, but if you're not sure what's coming up for you as a thought pattern or something with your mind versus a gut feeling, how do you help people figure that out? That's a really good question. For me, the soul is the communication portal that we want to be listening to. And the soul and the body have a communication, like they're so close and they're so subtle and they have to be subtle because they don't want the mind to hear what they're saying. Cause the mind is going to jump in and have opinions about it. Mm-hmm. So if you can feel something deeply in your body, if you can practice that expansion contraction exercise, if you feel expansive in your physical body, that's where intuition plays out in the body, never in the mind. If you feel it in your body, chances are it's an intuitive gut feeling. If you can't feel any physical sensation or all you feel is fear, that to me is always, it's a thing that's a thing that's happening mostly in the mind. I think that we rely on our minds way too much. We give our minds way too much responsibility because we don't realize that we have another option. We don't realize that we can talk directly to our soul through our intuition. So 
the mind, we ask the mind to think of every possibility that could happen. You know, the mind, all it wants to do is keep us safe, right? It doesn't actually care about our goals and dreams. Our mind wants to keep us small because when we're small and we're not expanding, the mind feels like we're safer than if we do, you know, go for this new job. The mind sees that moment of evolution as a real threat because it loses the familiarity of what it knows. Mm. So Chances are, if you are about to do something huge in your life, or you're about to take a big leap, you're going to feel that fear because your mind is saying, wait, this, I, I didn't plan for this. This is too big. This is too expansive. Feels unsafe. I don't know. There's too many unknowns. So in those moments where you're thinking of taking a big leap, there's a great book called the big leap. I don't know if you've read that book, but it's awesome. And it talks all about how our mind sets these upper limits for ourselves. And once we begin to surpass those upper limits or maybe play with the boundaries, the mind has a total meltdown. And in those moments, we contract and bring ourselves back often to where we were. But those moments are actually the sign that we're on the right track because our mind is afraid. We don't want to ever scare ourselves, you know, shitless into paralysis. Sorry, I don't mean to curse so much on your podcast. I'm really I curse sorry. all the time. <laughs> we don't want to scare our mind into, you know, paralysis, but we do. It's a good test for us. If, if we're about to take, you know, a new opportunity, there's like that quote all over Pinterest that says, if it scares you or whatever, if it scares you, it's probably the right thing to do. And that's physiologically, it's true because your mind wants you to stay small and safe. And if your soul is leading the way, you're, you should be constantly expanding. So the fear is actually usually a good sign that you're on the right track. Yeah. I think fear is also just, we want to be safe. Our mind is always keeping us safe. So if something is scary, it's because it will cause change and and evolution. So really just knowing anything about change involves new things and new things aren't familiar. And like you said, your mind is keeping you in a familiar, safe place because your mind wants you to be safe. But if you really want to change and grow, you have to keep going for those scary opportunities where you're tested and you're able to shift because that's the only way to change. So exactly. Your mind is going to catastrophize what's going to happen because it doesn't want you to take the leap, but you don't have to listen to everything that your mind says as an anxiety sufferer for many, many years. I can tell you your thoughts don't predict what's going to happen. Your thoughts are like the least influential energy forces and sources in the universe. Like that's another problem I have with the law of attraction. It's all about how our thoughts create our realities and our thoughts don't, our beliefs do, our beliefs and our actions do. And when we start to listen to our thoughts as you know, the gold standard of what we should do with our lives, that's when we get in trouble because the mind really wants to keep us safe and small. And if we listen to the mind over and over and over, we'll end up staying small. Mm -hmm. So just recognizing too, that you don't have to believe everything that you think. I agree with you. I also think the mind just adapts these patterns and some of the patterns aren't very conducive to you thriving. So understand, you know, the concept monkey mind, your mind can go all over the place. And the best thing to do is not believe all your thoughts to be true. Like you said, because they're, they're not, it's, it's just a a bunch of noise. So figure out what you actually want to think about and let your energy direct that too. You can calm your whole body down. You can change your energy states through movement or breathing. So there's so many good resources out there too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I had a therapist once tell me because I was so 
I was so anxious about everything and every situation in my life. I just couldn't stop thinking. My mind was so active. It would show me such a plethora of options of what could happen. And I realized that my mind is is just a suggestion machine. It's not a, you should do this or you should do that. It's just showing me everything that could possibly happen. And when I was talking to my therapist, she said, um, when you wake up from a dream, do you take literally every every single thing that happened in that dream. And I said, no, of course not. It's a dream. Mm-hmm. And she said, your dreams are no different than thoughts. Like your thoughts and your dreams are the exact same um, type of energy. It's like some of it means something. Most of it means nothing. And it's up to you to really discern what is worth listening to and what's just, to your point, noise and trash and can be discarded. So just the mind has a lot of strange things that it does. And um mm-hmm. And yeah, there's, we don't have to listen to everything. Yeah. I think that'll give some people peace just hearing that because I'm sure there's a lot of people that suffer in their own minds and they're just thinking it's all true and it's all reality, but there's a lot more resources out there if you do suffer in your mind and to know that, yeah, it's a suggestion machine. It's not all true, you know, stick with the soul part because the soul piece is always guiding you. So I love all the intuitive tips that you've given so far. I do have a question about doing soul work and specifically the work that you do. So when it comes to the soul, I mean, some people feel like there's healing things and then there's also people that just teach. So when you work with clients, are you mainly just teaching and providing tools, tips, resources? Do you also help people heal? Because I know energy healers and all the people that work in that space. So what do you say you do? I do a little bit of both. And I really like sort of walking between both worlds because there's nothing more satisfying than just helping someone one-on-one to deal with something that's really a challenge for them in their lives. So that's how I started in this work. I, I picked up a tarot deck and realized that, oh my gosh, wait, I'm an amazing tarot reader. And I, I had no idea. Um, so that was my first sort of spiritual portal um, to be able to channel just guidance for people, um, assistance and help. And then I, I realized I really do want a tangible tool to help people then move, move through what the cards say, because the cards are never wrong. And this, the cards don't lie, but I felt like I needed something else to be able to help people with the next step. So I I became sort of a certified hypnotherapist. So now the sessions that I work with people on are a combination of tarot and hypnotherapy. So the tarot helps us identify the energies that are at play, what's going on, the subconscious beliefs that are at play. And then the hypnotherapy actually helps us reprogram those beliefs. So the, the healing work that I do is kind of two part in that way. Um, I wanted to be a Reiki therapist so bad, but I just, I, I have a weird thing. I don't like to touch people. I don't like to, yeah. people. <laughs> I really wanted it to work. And then I realized I just, it's not my thing, Yeah. Um, but Reiki is super powerful if you don't mind touching or being touched. Um, and then the education piece is something that I um, am really passionate about too, because I find that people a lot of people that come to me have so many gifts and they're just not trusting their own gifts. And I realized if I could just spend four hours with this person and teach them what I know, what I've learned throughout my own journey, they wouldn't need to come to me for these healing sessions because they would be so confident in the guidance that they were receiving themselves. And I understand that not everybody wants to do that, which is why I still do offer the one-on-one healing sessions. 
but I was seeing a pattern in the people that were coming to me. They were all really intuitive people. And I wanted to just hold them and shake them and say, you don't need me for this. Like you can figure this out on your own. You can work through it on your own. Let me just show you a few tips that I have. So that out of that was born my passion for teaching people about getting in touch with their own intuition, their own soul. Um, so my work is a little bit of both. Awesome. I love all of that. I, I really do. I think you do amazing work and I definitely think it's connected to your journey, which makes me really happy too. I love when I can connect the dots for things when I see, Oh, that's so on path or that, that really makes a lot of sense. So for you, it it seems like it does because you went through this whole experience with anxiety and being empathic, and then you're able to discover all your own gifts and then share that with others. So beautiful. So the last thing I want to chat about in the last couple minutes that we have together are how do you help people when it comes to following that soul urge or that soul pull? I, I have some people that I've talked to that talk about having this pull or this very strong gut feeling. So like we said, a lot of people are disconnected from their intuition and their bodies. So if you could give that person listening, who's been contemplating leaving a job or contemplating starting a course or even working with a healer, how would you help them trust that soul urge? Hmm, That's such a good question. Well, I think no urge is, remember we talked about cause and effect, no urge is without cause. So I think getting to the root of why do I have this urge or why do I have this urge? Um, Because the answer might not always be the thing that you think it is. So for example, if you're sitting in your job and you know, you're unhappy in your job and you get this phone call that offers you a job doing something else, and you know, you're not happy in your job and you have this urge maybe to go towards this other job, don't just blindly go for it because you have this urge to leave your current job. You know, you have to really understand what the root cause of wanting to leave is. What are you actually looking for? Because that's how people end up just bouncing around from job to job. Like I did early on in my career, I just bounced around because I knew, okay, this job's not for me. Maybe the next job will be for me. But the part that I was neglecting was, wait a second, I'm not supposed to work for somebody else at all. (laughs) Like I'm not supposed to work in a corporate job. I wasn't seeing how different my path was supposed to be. And I wasn't open even to that possibility because I was so out of tune. So I think opening yourself to what is the deepest cause of this urge, just journaling, wake up in the morning first thing and journal three pages until you have nothing left to say. And just try to get to the bottom of, okay, but why, but why, but why, why is this happening? Why is this coming up for me? Why now, you know? And then place yourself in different future situations. Close your eyes, imagine yourself walking into this new job um, that you're thinking about taking, maybe, maybe not. And how do you feel? Tune into your own frequency again. How do you feel in this new job? If you're on the wrong path altogether, you're gonna feel the same in that new job as you felt in your old job. So put yourself in a totally different situation. Imagine yourself waking up as a farmer. Imagine yourself waking up as an astronaut. Imagine yourself waking up as a dance teacher. Try to put yourself in the energy of of this new life or this new situation and try on a lot of them and see which ones feel the best. And if your, you know, dance teacher situation feels the best, doesn't mean you have to go be a dance teacher, but there's something, okay, what is it about this situation that felt the best? Was it the flexible hours? Was it that I got to sleep in? Was it that I was teaching people something that I really loved? So try on in your mind, different scenarios, notice how your body feels in each of these different 
possible futures and then figure out why you feel that way and then continue asking yourself questions and then narrow it down more and more and more until you realize, okay, it wasn't the dance teacher that I wanted to be. It was really that I want to teach French because I love French. I mean, whatever it is. So refine, try on and then refine, try on and then refine because you can feel, I don't know if you've ever read any books by um, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He has a wonderful, he's, he's amazing. Um, and I love him because he ties in science so well with the spiritual work. And he believes um, Becoming Supernatural is a great book of his. He believes that our bodies can't tell the difference between an experience that we very vividly imagine and an experience that's actually happening in our lives. So you have the ability to like try on all of these different possible future lives for yourself and your body will respond to you with the expansion, the contraction, with the joy, with the bubbliness, whatever, as if it were actually happening for you. So use these like magical tools. You, that's like a form of manifesting too, is being able to place yourself in a future life before it happens. So that's one thing that I would share with people is get really curious about the why behind the pull, um, because otherwise you'll just end up like me hopping from corporate job to corporate job, realizing that, wait, I'm, I'm missing something here. There's something deeper that I didn't get to. Yeah. I think what I also like is the curiosity, right? So I I love that you kept saying why, but why that is such a great way to really discover your truth. So if you are a truth seeker and you're seeking your truest, most authentic path, keep being playfully curious, have this idea. Okay. I can play around and I can have fun and be inquisitive. And it, it's not a black or white thing where it's bad or wrong or right. Just be playful with it. So that's, that's also a great piece. I love that. Yeah. This work doesn't have to be all serious all the time. It's very powerful work because it can heal very deep wounds, but it can also be fun to your point. Like enjoy, enjoy the process of self-discovery. Yes. Well, I've had a lot of fun with you. Thank you for coming on and sharing your time, energy, knowledge, wisdom. It's been so great. So thank you so much. And really quick before you leave, just if you want to let everyone know where to find you and and what you have going on, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So you can connect with me on Instagram and K-E-L-L-Y dot M-O-S-S-E-R. Um, And that's kind of the best place to contact me. You can find my website through there and everything else. Um, And right now I'm about to start a a new class of my intuition ignition program, which I'm super excited about. We're full, unfortunately, for anyone who's listening, but we will be offering again um, in the spring and just a way to work with me. You know, if that's something that's interesting to you, I do those hypno tarot sessions. I offer those on an ongoing basis. And I also offer this monthly digital spiritual self-care kit called the spirit guide where I, you know, every month has a different theme. You'll receive guided meditations and journeys and group hypnoses and different workshops and things like that. That's just a fun way to start your spiritual practice, stay accountable to a practice and connect with community of like-minded people who are on the same journey. So those are some ways to just stay in touch with me. Um, and otherwise I would love to just see you all on the gram and we can chat there. Awesome. Thanks again, Kelly. Thank you so much, Rachel. What an honor to be on your show. I really appreciate the opportunity. Hey friend, thanks for checking out this episode of the Solutions Podcast. 
For more episodes just like this, be sure to subscribe. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at Solutions Pod. Thanks again for listening and be sure to check out our next episode.